Thanks, Noel. So appreciate it. And it's been uh, so exciting preparing for this week. I know maybe you're thinking, oh, sure, the family ministry pastor gets to preach on uh, Jesus and little children. But I actually believe this passionately. And I think Bethany believes this passionately. We're going to talk about exactly how uh, Jesus draws from the, the margins uh, his, those who are most dear to him. I was uh, just struck by the fact as all of our graduates stood up here by this new season that you're about to enter. And it, it just, it makes me think about the fact that maybe there's some parents in the room who have some young ones graduating and thinking, it seems like just yesterday they were pint size size, right? It goes so quickly. But graduates, just a word for you because I think Mark 10 has a word for all of us, but a word for you as you stand at the edge of this adventure called adulting. Scripture has lots and lots to say about maturity as we grow in faith and as we live that out. But there's a caution I would give to you. For those disciples in this story in Mark 10, Jesus was actually criticizing one perspective they had about adulting, about their need to be self-important and so self-dependent. That's a reminder for all of us that Jesus wants us to maintain and keep a child like faith. So think about that, grads. I think there's a word for you. Now, for the other adults in the room, some of you might think, oh, Jesus and the little children heard it many times. I'm going to turn off my, my brain right now, quit listening. There's a word for you too, because whether you're an empty nester and you don't got kiddos around, or maybe you're single or young married, you don't have kiddos around, or maybe you're in the thick of it and you have too many kiddos around as a parent, Wherever you're at, I think God has a word for you about not just our love and care for the youngest, but also what Jesus would say to us personally. Now, for the children in the room, look up here one second. I got to say something specifically to you. Jesus is very, very fond of you. Jesus is very, very, very fond of you. Now, I'm also talking to those who have that scared little 10-year-old inside, like all of us. It's true. As children of God, Jesus is fond. And I think sometimes, even in the business of church, we make it about the grown-ups. And so it's so important for us to pause today and reflect about the heart of this text. Would you please join me in a word of prayer? Father, we're grateful that uh, there are these reminders in scriptures that your kingdom is a flip-flop, upside-down kind of kingdom where the downside of a, a adulting and self-sufficient, self-important ways is turned into dependence and childlikeness, where that those who are at the edges and the margins are drawn in and you call them beloved at the center. Lord, may each one of us hear in a fresh way about your care for each of us and how we should translate that care into the youngest among us. Now, Jesus, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Amen. So I've obviously, I've been doing some study recently in preparation for today and looking at just the theme, there's a thread throughout all of scripture about how we should approach children. You know, in the ancient world, the children were not highly valued. Children were actually, in many, in many instances, considered not much more than property until they became old enough to be productive and helpful. But there's a theme throughout all of Scripture that paints a different kind of picture. 
Psalm 127 says, children are a gift from God, like arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior. Blessed is the one whose quiver is full of them. And even in the, in the, the earliest stories in Genesis about the patriarchs of, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and their wives, they struggled to have children. And maybe that's an ache that's even part of your own story, the, the precious gift that as a child is. And in this story of Jesus and time and time again, as Jesus interacted with children, he highlights the value of kids. But there are times where we still get distracted by that. At Jesus' time... If you weren't 13 years old, you could not even be in the synagogue talking about God or talking about spiritual things. That's grown-up territory. They weren't big enough to talk about these things. And yet, something about the, the powerful nature of Jesus that was so magnetic that these, these families, they were drawn from the edges. They were bold enough to approach and cross these kind of divides to bring Jesus their children to be touched. Something about Jesus was breaking down these barriers, even though their kids weren't big enough. So I, I want to know who in the room, help me with this, you can think of something, if you're an adult, when you were little, you couldn't wait to be big enough to experience. Can you think of some things? I, I can think of some things. When, when I was 10, I got my first pocket knife. It was an old-timer pocket knife. I felt like a man, like you know, Crocodile Dundee or something. I was, finally got my thing. So excited. My brother got his at eight and a half. Maybe so frustrated. Oldest child syndrome, right? And little ones, there are times I'm sure you, you're looking at things in life saying, it feels like this Disneyland height line. You know, you got to be tall enough to ride this ride. So what I'm going to give you, since we haven't had a mingle yet, is a little time to answer these questions with each other. And I want you to mix up and get to know some people from other generations. Walk three or four paces if you can. If you're a kiddo, what's one thing you can't wait to have and be big enough for? If you're an older seasoned person, I want you to share one thing that you look back and said, oh, I couldn't wait to have my, to drive or put on makeup or that wasn't mine, but whatever. So <laughs> stand up, you got three and a half minutes, go. Get to know each other. From the looks of it, maybe I touched a sore point for some of you. Wow. Some of you guys might need to grab a cup of coffee and keep processing your grief about whatever you're talking about. I asked about a couple young friends. One little kid said, I went out of my booster seat. And then there was another kiddo, I won't say it, it's a pastor's daughter, said, I want to wear lots and lots of makeup. So pray for some families. And uh, yeah, the normal things for getting driver's license, those kind of things. So we have this dynamic in life of being big enough. Jesus takes it and he destroys it. And he, he, in this story, he gives a picture of what it means to belong at the center. Right here in the center of Mark chapter, uh, the center of uh, Mark's gospel in chapter 10, he redefines place and he redefines faith. He says the place of the child is at the center. And he redefines faith to say faith is childlike dependence. And again, there was something about this dynamic of these parents who were at the margins. They were so bold to bring their kids for this blessing from Jesus. Because somehow, they knew enough about Jesus that these children would be received as, hear this, objects of his affection. Objects of his affection. And I think that's the overall message I want us to be able to reflect on today. Object, objects of his, of his affection that belong 
at the center. This is a picture my brother uh, did as a pencil drawing a couple decades ago. I have it hanging up as a big picture in my house. And I've loved this illustration of how much affection, how fond Jesus was of these children. And I think that's the heart of this message today. That they, were, they had a, a calling of belonging at the center. And there are three clear messages that Jesus was sending. First, he says, you are invited. You are invited. Secondly, he says, you are not a bother at all. And lastly, he redefines this, this faith in such a way. He says, you are at the center of God's kingdom. And so today, we're going to walk through each of these dynamics. Let me read a little bit from uh, Mark 10. It's... It's in the the New Testament if you want to follow along. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. This is intense, strong language. The the, the disciples shooed them off. Actually, this word normally used by Jesus in talking sternly to others. He rebuked demons. He rebuked the winds and the waves. He rebuked Peter when he lost sight of what God was doing in the moment. This is one of the rare occasions where the disciples rebuke someone. And Jesus, he lets his frustration known in an equally intense way. Scripture goes on. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Indignant is a Bible-y word for he was wholly hacked off. He was vexed. He was angry. He's like, oh my gosh, they are missing the boat. His frustration had to be amplified because just in verses, a few verses earlier, Jesus had earlier taken a child, placed a child in the midst of his disciples, put his hands on this child and said, whoever welcomes a little one like this into my midst in my name welcomes me. And they missed it. Story after story in the New Testament, Jesus healing children, and they'd missed it. They'd taken the gifts of a young, a little boy and fed 5,000 with them, and they missed it. His frustration was great. And yet, in the middle of it, as he corrects them, he directs his affection to the families, to the children. And Jesus said to them, let the little children come to me. It's an invitation to you and to every little one. Come. Permission is granted. Jesus has an open door policy. Come to me. Come to me. I think about this invitation and what's it look like? How can this play out in a church? What's it mean for us as a church to be serious about this invitation to come? Well, I think it looks like families worshiping together, and I'm delighted that every Sunday we start our services with kids in our midst. You're modeling for our youngest what it means to worship God. I think it looks like making a mess sometimes. Check this out. We had a refuel day a couple weeks ago with our uh, uh, families with kiddos with special needs, and moon sand is just so fun, it didn't stay on a table. And we had literal, like Neil Armstrong footprints all throughout the CLC, and it, had, it took extra cleanup, but we recognized having a messy carpet, big deal. That's what happens when kids are around. What's it look like? It looks like the cray-cray, the craziness at KSA, our VBS. It's the biggest thing we do aside from Sunday worship every year. Come be part of it. Jump in. It's not just for the young folks. It's for all of us to invest in kids this way. It looks like this. We did an intergenerational serve event where we put together care packets 
for our homeless neighbors. It looks like this. On Easter morning, we baptized some students who put a stake in the ground and said, I'm following after Jesus. And we as a whole community said, you belong. You are included. What's it look like? It looks like coming to this table and recognizing there's not a height line at Disneyland that says you have to be this tall to receive communion. And so church, I think we're doing it. We're doing it. But I hope that we have a greater awareness, a challenge from this scripture that we could take this invitation even more seriously. You have to recognize there is no kids table in the banquet of God's kingdom. We are all together in this. Kids really matter to Jesus. He just doesn't send them in the other building. Really, really matters to Jesus in such a way that they're not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. So Jesus' first message is that you are invited. His second message is that you are not a bother. Jesus continues, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. There's actually intense language here where it's a kind of a double emphasis. It says, no, don't do not do this. No, don't put any barriers, any walls, any boundaries up around children. The message version says it like this. Don't push these little children away. Don't ever get between them and me. The intensity of this language of Jesus, it clearly says they are beloved objects of his affection. They are not a bother. In fact, they are a brother. They are not a bother. They are a sister. Let them come. Uh, working with uh, families, working with kids, I got to just uh, say there is much hindering our young people today, right? There, there's much hindering our young people today. Anxiety, pressure to perform, it is heartbreaking that the number one thing that takes lives of our young people is when they take their own lives. Is that not a, just a heartbreaking reality? And I think about all these things going on in the lives of our, our young people, and they need to hear a different message about their value, and that we as a church can communicate, God is fond of you. Jesus is so fond of you. This hit home for me personally about 15 months ago, it was two days after the Parkland uh, shooting in Florida, and I got a text from my daughter, who at the time was going to R.A. Long High School in Longview, and the text said, Daddy, please pray for me. There's a shooter in our school. And I was actually an hour and a half away driving. I had to pull off, just start crying, what you do, because I felt so powerless in that moment. I'm texting her back, are you serious? Are you sure this is what's happening? Sure, yeah, yeah, we're in lockdown. It's really, really happening. The story unfolded. Within a, a little bit of time, they knew a kiddo had brought an airsoft gun, right, a toy, but at the moment, they actually thought they had an active shooter situation. Everything rolled and went the way it was supposed to in, in response to that scary situation, but it was an awareness for me about how hindered our young people are. A teacher in that school posted the next day, none of us were hurt, but all of us were injured, right? There's something in the air about our kids literally under attack. Jesus sends a different picture, a call for us to live in a different way, that we're inviting kids in, letting them know they're not a bother. They do not be, 
need to be hindered. They have values in the eyes of Jesus and they have value in our eyes as well. And that we can be practical in finding ways to invest in so many of these that are relationally under-resourced. Some of you might like research. I wanted to share this model that I've heard about. It's actually from Search Institute. It's called the Developmental Assets. They talk about assets as being internal values and skills and external relationships and resources that help young people thrive in life. Their ingredients are building blocks that communities, churches, families invest in the younger generation. We've got some flyers in, uh, in the, the, the uh, foyer if you want to pick one of these up. But there are 20 external and 20 internal assets that build up the health and resiliency of kids. Let me give you some examples. External assets could be positive family communication, active in service, they have a sense of safety, they have adult role models in their lives. Internal could be school engagement, they read for pleasure, they have a sense of built up in honesty, peaceful con conflict resolution, and so on and so on and so on. Then this, this group, they research choices and behaviors that the kids make depending on the number of assets they perceive themselves to have, up to 40. Look at the contrast. For a young person who has 10 or less assets versus a young person who has 30 or more assets, the kid who has 10 or less is 20 times as likely to experience problem drinking, 18 times as likely to experience violence in their lives multiple times in a year, and 10 times as likely to become sexually active before they're 18. You know this, I mean, kind of intuitively we know this, the more we pour in, in health and encouragement, in vitality in the lives of our kids, the stronger and the more resilient they are, right? We understand this. But what's it mean for us specifically to do this as a church? I was actually at a meeting where a, a man was presenting this and he said, if I were to tell you parents that there's one asset that has linked to it or embedded in it 30 more assets potentially, would you want to know what that magical asset is, that magical ingredient? No, would, parents, would you? Okay, two of them. Yeah I, yeah, I wanted to know. What is it? Number 19, religious community. Young person spends one hour or more per week in activities in a religious institution because if the church is being the church as God has called it to be, as Jesus has modeled for us, then we're pouring into the lives of kids mentors. We're teaching them about integrity. We're modeling for them about putting their lives in, of service into action. We're giving them opportunity to experience their gifts and use their gifts for arts and for blessing others. The church, when the church is the church, we're doing what the mission statement of Bethany is about. We're leading people into wholeness and actually spiritual flourishing when we can be serious about investing in this way. It's one way that we individually and corporately can do what Jesus is saying, to invite and let the little children come and let nothing and nothing hinder them. So not only does Jesus send the clear message of you are invited, you are not a bother, the core of it is you belong at the center of God's kingdom. I love how the message version puts it. It says, these children are at the very center of life in the kingdom. God's action, they are participants. They are invited to be what, involved in what's going on in God's work right now. It's the polar opposite of margin, right? The center, at the center. So a couple of t takeaways for us to consider today. First, I think there is an aspect of a faith to live into. For us personally to reflect on what it means to individually recognize that we are called to have a childlike faith. 
What's it mean to receive the kingdom as a child? It means that we're dependent, that we, if we bring nothing to the table, there are no paybacks, that we come with openness. And whether we're eight or 80, God calls us to not get, God, not get stuck in the way that the disciples did in adulting, but to actually keep that childlike faith. You know that uh, Christians, they've done surveys, over 80% of most Christians actually came to faith in Jesus before they're 18. No wonder the church is called to disproportionately invest in our kids to pour in and bring kids to Jesus. So I think one takeaway is for us to reflect on that childlike faith. Secondly, a takeaway is that this was not just talk for Jesus. Look at how this passage ends. Jesus says, um, do not hinder them, let the children come, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like this little child will never enter it. And then he took the child in his arms, he put his hands on them, and he blessed them. Here's the reality. Jesus wasn't just making an object lesson of little Sarah. He was making her an object of his affection. Because he didn't just say, hey, you should be like a little child. Hey, get out of here, kid. You bother me. He turned to her and he put his hands on her and he blessed her. And then he did the same to Samuel. And he did the same to Jacob and to Jonathan. It's not just talk for Jesus, and it should not just be talk for us. And friends, I want to tell you, this is so much different than just Santa Claus. There's a community transformation, I believe, that was going on in those moments, a picture of what life in the kingdom at the center looks like. And I almost imagine Jesus pulling his disciples in and teaching them to put their hands on kids and bless them, to teach the church to put our hands on kids and bless them, to send them with God's blessing blessing and that they would know that they are objects of his affection. That's what it looks like to be at the center of God's kingdom, to be invited, to know that we're not a bother. And so Jesus says, come. Kids, all of us, come. Come with childlike faith and then be most aware of our little ones that we can communicate that to them as well. You belong at the center. You can receive the blessing of Jesus Lavish, lavish love of Jesus. Everybody look at your hands. Thanks. If you are walking with Christ in your heart, these are the hands of Jesus in this world. These are the hands of Jesus in your family. These are the hands of Jesus in this community of faith to go and be a blessing. It, I'm struck by the fact that we model for our young ones what this kind of faith looks like. And if you're a parent, you know our kids start looking like us, right? We're kind of blown away by that. I got a couple of pictures there. This is Katie, started looking like me. Yeah, scary. This is Nikki, started looking like me. Scary. And Joey has always looked like me. Yeah, so that's hippie Joey, me on the left end. Moving on, right? Anyway, so we model for our young ones and they will follow our example. Are we demonstrating for them what it's like to come to Jesus with a childlike faith and then doing the same of blessing our kiddos? A quick story. I heard this about a pastor who had developed a, a habit as he brought his kiddo, uh, kiddos home from the hospital. From day one, he would go in at night and do a blessing on his child. So he laid his hand on his daughter and he'd say, the, the ironic prayer, he'd say, 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. Amen. Day after day, night after night. Pretty soon in middle school, daughter's like, Dad, leave me alone. So dad would let her go to sleep and then he'd sneak in. Put his hand on, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, look upon you as favor, great your peace. On and on and on. Graduation day comes, summer of getting ready for college, and then they're getting ready to drop her off at college. This was the plan. Some of you had to make this plan, right? Here's our plan. We're going to take her, help her in her dorm room, move her in, meet the roommate, meet the roommate's parents, set down the box, give her a hug, tell her we're proud of her, she's going to do great, and then we're going to run to the car and drive away and cry then. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's the plan. That was the plan. So everything was going great according to the plan. They're like 10 paces from their car. Dad and mom are like, we got it, awesome. All of a sudden, they hear from across the parking lot, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. They turn around, their daughter standing right in front of them said, Dad, you forgot to bless me. You forgot to bless me. <laughs> so they take their hands and they put their hands on their daughter. I believe Jesus took his hands, put his hands on their daughter and said, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. Amen. And then just the puddle of love in that moment. Guys, that's our calling as parents, as friends, as a church, our calling to be about that kind of blessing in the center of God's kingdom. So in real practical ways, I'd love to send you with a couple of to-dos from here. Um, please seek out one of our graduates. We, it is a privilege for us to pray for you. Seek one out and take seriously the opportunity to bless them with your prayers. Uh, there are a bunch of these flyers out on, in the foyer and the check-in station. We're actually looking for adults to invest in the lives of our students in youth ministry and pray for them for a year at a time. There's ways you can get in the game. Come volunteer at KSA. Find a way to get to know kids in our children's ministry. Get in the game in that way, big and little ways. But moreover, get in the moment knowing that as you turn and see the generations around us, if you can go up to a young family that's trying to get their three little kids out the door and say, Mom and Dad, you're doing great. It is nice to meet you. What's your name, little sir? You're pouring assets into them, letting them know they're valued in your eyes. They're valued in the eyes of Jesus. So I think it's, it's such a fitting transition for us today to come to this table, and I would encourage you to hear the invitation of this table in a new way. Everyone seeking after Jesus, young and old, no matter your age, you are welcome at this table. There is no Disneyland height requirement. If you're seeking after this table, after Jesus, this table is an invitation for you to receive simple things, just a little crust of bread, a little cup of juice, but you are literally taking inside Jesus in a way that says, I want to follow you and know you and have my heart and soul nourished by you. So today, Jesus says, let the little children come. Whether eight or 80, let the little children come. Secondly, Jesus says, do not hinder them. Some of you might sit in your seats and like, I have no, I'm not deserving of that table. I've got a lot of things before, I gotta get right before I can come to the table of Jesus. That's not what this is about. This is a place of grace. Jesus would say, let nothing hinder you from following after me. Here is the center of the kingdom, all are welcome today.
And so on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, he gave thanks, and he gave it to all of them saying, take and drink all of you from this. This is the cup of the new covenant. That means promise. The promise of my forgiveness for you and for all people, old and young. Do this in remembrance of me. As we begin worship, uh, these plates will be passed. Receive these words. And I might even encourage you, as you pass these plates down the row, you might even say the words, this is Christ's body given for you. This is Christ's blood shed for you. Speak the truth, church, that this is what happens at the center of God's kingdom.